the Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. So welcome to the Instructor Podcast Green Room Edition. We are joined by a super duper friend of the show, Chris Benson. How are you today, Chris? I'm brilliant. I'm having a, a really stressful week with an 11-year-old starting secondary school. So my downtime is my work at the moment, which is quite nice. I think there's a, a lot of people that, that can sympathise with that position at the moment. I, I, I don't envy him. I, I wouldn't want to go back to that. So, um, it, But he's, he's, he's doing really well. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. It's, it, yeah. It'd be lovely to look back on. Well, at the minute, I'm quite looking forward to mine going back. He's 15 and he goes back next week. So I'm looking forward to, to having a bit of peace. Well, he's not noisy, but, you know, he's grumpy. He's a 15-year-old boy. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, that's enough discussion about children. Uh, that's not what people come to listen to. People come to here to listen to us talk about driving instructors chisel. Uh, and uh, I saw a post on Facebook this month. Well, in fact, before I get into this, I will say we are going to talk about the the standards check NASP about the fact that Love Day Rider is going to be at the Intelligent Instructor Expo. We've got all this stuff that we're going to cover. But before we do that, I saw a post this morning that, that, that really perked my attention. It was about essentially bullying of learner drivers. Uh, and the first question I'm going to throw at you, uh, Chris, is what do you think the public perception is of driving instructors? I think that with the wrong people to ask, and the the reason for that is that we are looking at stuff at an angle of driving instructors. The stuff that's important to us isn't important and shouldn't be important to the rest of the you know, population. Um we are are the the driving geeks, and you know our, our, that's our focus. And because it's a really good cause, because it's about safety and life saving, and you know we we end up not negatively, but we end up thinking a lot of ourselves and what we do because we appreciate how bloody difficult it is, and you know the, what if it goes wrong? I, I dread the day the phone rings, and you know it's something where. I feel like I've failed because someone's gone and had a serious crash, potentially a fatality, you know, and and we've had instructors locally that have have lost pupils, um, not just from, from road traffic stuff, but just people don't appreciate the dynamic we have with our pupils. And because we are immersed in that, we're looking outward at what public perception is. It's never going to be what we want it to be. Uh, we're we're always likely to see negative. So, I think that that is is I think it's a brilliant question. But I, I think it's something that is is about where you perceive it from. And if you are a parent who is looking for a driving instructor at the moment, and everyone you phone is saying, "I don't want to teach your child," I can't help you. I'm helping other people. That I, I'm not surprised that people are getting a bit fed up about driving instructors from that perspective. Oh, I can't find one. It's a, it's a real issue. Same with driving tests, and we do the same with driving tests. If you are the instructor who then says, I can help, they're going to have a brilliant view of, of you and what you're offering and, and what you do. And the same is then true on the road, because actually, is their response to driving instructors or is it to the learner driver? 
is it if if the learner driver does something wrong do they appreciate that we've done everything we could do but people make mistakes do they blame the learner driver or the driving instructor and i'm not saying which is right so very often you don't see the positives especially tailgating you you see the one that's behind you it's a bit like being on the motorway you only see people going faster than you so if you're driving at 70 everybody you see is going to be driving fast you know overtaking you is going faster than 70 that doesn't mean everyone's going faster it just means they're behind you and they you can't see them we have to remember perception. It's such an important thing. Uh, I had a, an awesome conversation with one of my instructors this week about the chimp paradox and you know that your brain being divided into a computer, a chimp and a human, and that the chimp is your emotional response. You don't need to read the book now, it's all covered. Um, and that emotional response is the first response we have. Um, uh, Fiona Taylor, uh, said, and it, it just resonated with me at that point about the fact that you know when when the horn goes off behind you, when you see the poli the police uh, blue flashing lights in your rear view, uh, and you hear the siren, the first response we have is an emotional one. That's the bit we remember, and that's what creates our perception. So I think we've I think in there there's a mixed view from the public. I think generally they think we do a job, and it's just a job. I don't I don't think they think we're lifesavers. I don't think that they think we are, you know, the fourth emergency service or whichever number we're up to now. Um, but I don't think they should. We're just teaching people to drive. And in that person's life, in their world, yes, we might be awesome. You know, we, we might help solve things that other people haven't been able to. We might give them skills other people haven't been able to. I think there's a real danger that you get too big for your boots. And I appreciate there's now going to be people laughing because it's me saying that. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm often fairly vocal, um, hence our relationship. Um, but I, I do try to ground myself and go, is it actually important? Is it actually personal? Um, and, and are we looking at the facts? And, and I think, the facts are all of the facts, not just the ones that you see, not just the ones that are in front of you. So, sorry, I haven't necessarily answered your question, but hopefully that goes some way to uh, to give you an idea of what I think. No, because you've, you've raised some, um, some valid counterpoints there. And I think when I did series one of this podcast, every guest that came on that wasn't an instructor i would ask them what's your perception of the instructor industry and the reason i asked that is because i i was expecting some kind of almost volatile answer i was expecting it to be oh you're all amazing or you're all a bunch of dicks and i didn't know which way to go but i think generally i just kind of went i haven't really got one and and that's why I stopped asking the question in this series, because it's not the most entertaining of answers. Um, but I think that's what it is. They don't. They, they use us for what they need us for, and then their opinion's gone. I think that where the opinion is formed is when something different to the norm happens. So you get standard driving instructor, take someone's student, and they pass, then they probably don't really have a significant opinion about that person. 
you get the instructor that starts touching the student's leg or you get the instructor that cancels three out of every four lessons or whatever it is, and all of a sudden that person has a really bad opinion of driving instructors. But you get the instructor that bends over backwards and provides extra support, whether that's online support or physical resources or or whatever it is, all of a sudden that driving instructors are, are brilliant. So I think largely from my experience, what I'm saying there is I think the public doesn't have an opinion until it affects them. Yeah. And and like you mentioned there about sort of with tailgating and the perception, I think that's really valid. Again, I'm going to refer back to episode, I think it was episode four of the podcast. It was your favourite guest, actually, Keir Witherspoon, who yes. came on. And I looked at this afterwards, but he was talking about an experiment that was done where they got something like a, a Rolls Royce to wear a set of lights and they got like an old Nissan to wear a set of lights. Yeah. And the cars behind the Nissan were a lot quicker to beep than the cars behind the Rolls Royce. So there's, you know, we see it. You know, we all drive with us top boxes on in livery car, then we drive about. And there is definitely a bias or an anti-bias towards learners. We we can't hide from that. But I don't think it's as big as people reckon. Like you said, you notice it. I say to my learners all the time, every now and again, and it's rarely, admittedly, but every now and again, you'll get someone beep us and they'll, the immediate response, like you said, is emotional. And it's, why don't they have time for learners? I'm like, well, how many cars haven't beeped at you today? Yes. And and I, I think that's really, really interesting is, firstly, we're assuming it's because it's a learner. We're, we're using that L plate as a label. Is it not going to be the same response if it was a little old lady who wasn't able to pull away at the traffic lights quite so quickly? Is it the learner or is it a vehicle and obstruction that is in their way and that they would have responded the same way to all of those? What we do when we annoyingly, I'd rather not have them, put an L plate on the car is we we flag it up. This is why I don't like P plates. I'm not a P plate, P plate fan at all. If people are going to do use them, put one on the back, don't put one on the front um, is, is my view because you're almost saying, I'm going to be a problem. And do you know what? That's like a magnet. It's like saying, I'm going to fail. Well, yeah, all right, probably. Whereas I'm going to succeed is going to draw more things to you. I know you are the prince of reflaming, uh, reframing, reframing? <laughs> the prince of reframing, following your, your Facebook post the other day. And that it is, it's something that you you and I both share is, is, that changing that perception of something is going to change the, the outcome and the result. And, you know, I, I think when, when we work in a binary industry of, of passes and fails, that that's something all instructors do. Some are better than others. Um, and, and, you know, it, and examiners as well. I don't, if you, if you have one of those examiners that can fail everyone and they will thank them for it, that they, they just have this ability to go, you were crap, but we'll see you next time. Oh, thank you. you know, that, yeah. Whereas others, they say, oh, you know, congratulations, you've passed. And it's like, oh, you were horrible. And, and it's just in the framing of it. And it is, it's, it's there. By putting that L plate on the car, we're almost, you know, some people see it as making it a target. But what we're doing is we're, we're labeling it as being a, something that's going to be a problem. And my solution. I genuinely think helps is that raising this shows I haven't been sat in the 
instructor seat for a little bit. Um, the, the raising of the right hand. I was going to do it the other way around. Um, <laughs> the, the raising of the right hand, just to acknowledge the person behind. And that actually, what they're saying is, why are you, um, why are you for no reason getting in my way? And that raising of the hand, that acknowledgement, saying, I know you're there, same as if you pulled out in front of somebody, a little bit tight, you know, a bit tighter than, than, than you would have liked, acknowledge them, and they'll go, oh, okay, you saw me, that's fair enough. Clearly, you're there for a reason. You've got a problem. We've all been that person who's had a problem, who's, you know, gone to pull away and the car's stalled, even if you've been driving for 40 years. So there must be a reason, because you've acknowledged me. It's not you're ignoring me and you're in my way. And I, I just, I feel... Putting it down, I can't do anything about the fact they're a learner, but I can try and humanise the person's response and and deal with it differently. Yeah, and and I agree largely with what you're saying there. I think that, uh, like you say, with the learners, you put the L plates on, it's almost like creating a target. And yeah, they potentially would do it, but to, to other people, and we've seen it be done, you know. But I think that. Again, I'll go back to that example of Rolls-Royce and the Nissan. You know, you, whatever it is, you're creating a target and you won't necessarily do it to a certain group of people, but you will to a different group. So it's not specifically just because it's a learner, it's because they fall into that category. You know, it's same if you're, I always think if you're queuing in a supermarket and a little old lady in front of you drops a shopping, you'd probably have to pick it up. If someone's a bit slow moving forward because they're on the phone, you're going to start totting nothing and puffing. And it's the, you know, the different scenario on how you respond to that. So I think that that would be the distinction there for me. And, and like you said, we're putting your hand up. It's When I read, um, I forgot the name of the book now, but the uh, it was by Jed and Claire Wilmot, You're in the Driver's Seat, I think it's called, who was in the driver's seat. They did that in there. They, they did like a, like a video clip on it, which for anyone that hasn't read the book, you can scan the book and get video clips. I'm not <laughs> conflating two different things there. But they did that. They stalled. And, and I think Jed put his hand up and then, carried on i've never even considered doing that before and immediately it's like right okay i'm going to do that so whether it's a student setting off a bit slowly or whatever it's like acknowledge it and i feel that that diffuses the situation sometimes i mean i had that happen to me yesterday as as we record this uh a car's turned down the road towards me it turned onto the wrong side of the road so it's driving towards me immediately he's realized what he's done he's held his hand up to apologize and it just diffused any annoyance i had i didn't even have time to reframe it I just was able to go, all right, cool. You know, it's like the kids have acknowledged it. He reframed it. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing, isn't it? it it's that, that action of going, I am acknowledging you as a human being. We might disagree on, 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 the, on this situation. You know, you, you might not want me on your side of the road. It might not be what you were expecting. But I'm acknowledging that I'm as human as you are, and it was, it was me in the wrong. And, and I'd be really interested to know if that is universal. Because I don't think it is. Uh, I, I remember one of my pupils was Spanish, and she said she spent six months working in an office in the UK before she realised two of the people in the office hated each other because they weren't shouting at each other every day. They were talking very civilly. <laughs> um, so I, I think there's something quite British about the whole acknowledgement and, and wave and, and you know, not not speak out. Definitely. I mean, I had the, the student last night. She's um annoyingly she had a test move this morning but on the lesson last night someone held back to let her through and she put her hand up to say thank you and as she was doing it she's squeezing kind of through between a tight gap and she's getting a little close to one side so afterwards i'm like why did you say thank you she goes, i don't want to be rude 
Yes. Says, and I, I get that, but surely it's more important not to crash. It's I said, to hit someone. Yeah. I mean, if you had a choice, I probably shouldn't have phrased it this way, but I said, if you've got a choice tomorrow, you can be polite or you can pass. Which one are you taking? So, yeah, but also I, I always think that uh, taking this slightly aside, uh, queuing is traditionally British as well, I think. And, and that's where that comes from when you've got those two lanes and you've got 30 cars in one lane and no one likes it when the car goes down the, the right-hand lane. And it's like, that's what it's fucking there for. It's literally, that's why there's two. So which do you do? I will be completely honest. It depends how early I am for the lesson. <laughs> I was going to say, it depends whether I've got my name written down the side of the car or not, which I think is equally interesting. <laughs> um, no, if I'm listening to something good, and this isn't necessarily the best way to drive, I appreciate this, but if I'm listening to something good, sometimes I'll queue because I want to listen to it. But when I'm driving normally and correctly, I would be in that outside lane. And and the, the stereotype there is uh, the Audi and the BMW drivers use outside lane. And I, I was talking about this once with a student, and they said, that's probably because they've got more confidence. And I thought this – and I know that's a stereotype. There's probably truth in that. They're actually doing it correctly because they've got some confidence. They, they care about their driving to get the car, don't they? Or what they look like when they're driving, potentially. But they care about that, you know, the, the big engine. Yeah. It's a lot more expensive. So for you to invest in it, there's got to be a reason that you're investing. So it probably you're right. It, your pupils are right. It, pr- it probably joins those dots. The the other one, um, I don't, don't know if you do this, but if you want to turn left at a roundabout and there's a queue for that left hand lane, down the right hand side, round the roundabout, and then come off. Yeah. That that yeah, I did that on a school run once, and one of the mums came and tapped me on the shoulder at the school, and she said that manoeuvre you did this morning. I was like, oh yeah, you're gonna have a go. She went, is that legal? Because I'm gonna start doing that. <laughs> And I was like, well, of course it is. It's just a roundabout. And, you, you know, I skipped the traffic, went round and, and was off. And I think that is less provocative than using the right-hand lane when people are queuing because they only realise what you're doing once you're down there. They, they don't always notice. But, again, it, it, it depends on how I'm feeling as to whether I – I do the naughty thing and skip the traffic. But as you said, it's the right thing to do. It's what it's yeah. there. I mean, there's one in Bradford and the number of times that I've had someone move across the block two lanes to stop me going around them. But the amusing thing is that it once and they were like directly behind or in front of, whichever way you want to phrase it, um, <laughs> a big red sign that said traffic use both lanes and then moved across to stop me using both lanes, which I found highly amusing. But yeah, that ties me into the next little question I wanted to ask you around this topic, which is, is peer pressure. Because we kind of we spoke about the uh, how the, so the public may potentially bully or perceive learners or instructors, but it's also flipping it around and the, the peer pressure that you're on as a new driver or under as a new driver, and that's a perfect example. If you're a new driver and you pass your test today and tomorrow you go out on this two lanes and in one lane you've got 30 cars queuing and that right lane's empty, you've immediately got some peer pressure there thinking, well, I know what I should do, but everyone else is doing this. What's your sort of take on that? I, I have a bit of an issue with peer pressure as a phrase, and I, this is probably just down to the words. Um, and I tend to refer to social norms and go, what, what, do mo- what do the most people do? Partly because if you do what the most people do, you're safer generally on the road. Now, obviously, we've then got issues of they don't signal. They flash the headlights to tell you when to, when to pull out in front of them or, you know, or uh, when, when to go. Um, yeah, so some of those social norms can be negative. Um, 
and and that's something a lot of my training is based on is is looking at that and i always think peer pressure none of us like to say that we we bow down to peer pressure or we we are influenced by what other people think and i think that's increased in a lot of generation uh, the the new generation coming through that there's this this it's okay to stand out admittedly you're standing out in a group of people that are like you but inside of your group is it's actually it's okay to stand out it's okay to put yourself out there um I think that's a big change so i think the answer to the question is probably it depends on who generationally who the driver is as to how they see that i, th- I think it's a really difficult one to answer as, as a general answer and and then how we judge that driver because we also tend to judge people by their age in a, a bit of a bell curve um you know y- young drivers are uh, you know the boy racer types and and then older drivers are incompetent um and i don't stick to either of those but you know there's that kind of bell curve that's there so the judgment probably comes from how you're feeling at the time you know do, do you let it bother you and and that probably means i'm not the one to ask because i i try really hard not to let stuff bother me if i can't control it i'm the i've mentioned it numerous times of, of the 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 two circles of um of the uh seven Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. Don't think that's quite right, but that book, um, uh, which is the the circle of influence and the circle of concern. If I can't do something about it, I'm not going to let it bother me. Yeah, I think, like you mentioned the bell curve there, I think that that's interesting because if you asked a young driver, a young driver's more dangerous, they'd probably say no. So I think it's the, the the people we surround ourselves with. I don't, you know, it's the people we ask. We don't ask the opinion of the nineteen-year-old that just passed a driving test. We don't ask them, and we automatically assume that anyone over seventy is incapable of driving properly. And I don't think that I think that it stems from that's who I am. That's who I'm listening to. So anyone that's different to me isn't as good as me. Yeah. I think that it's that. I think that's where that bell curve bell curve comes from. But in terms of peer pressure. I'm still developing that, uh, the, the mindset that you said. It's something that still bothers me. And that if I went onto a road tomorrow that I know is fur, A, because there's a big sign saying 30, and B, because I live there, and then someone overtook me, my natural instinct was to assume I, I was wrong. That would be my go-to. And then I would have to talk myself round into to being correct. And that's not just on the on driving that's on stuff like social media if i see someone that has put a post up that's similar to mine my brain immediately goes oh they must be better than me they've worded it better they've done this but i shouldn't have done that i should go delete and then i have to talk myself around and and that's me that's me sort of being honest and open about where my discomfort is and where i handle peer pressure quite badly at times and i think that that's what i see again this I, God, this goes, what we're going to be speaking about further down the line regarding standard checks potentially, but I work for a lot of people that, that do suffer with genuine reserves and anxiety and, and that side of stuff. So I see that a lot from them. They will always assume they're incapable and incorrect and everyone else knows better. And the number of people, and you, I think we all probably see this, number of people that will tell you they did something because they don't want to hold up the car behind. 
And it, I think that's where a lot of that peer comes, even if the car behind is not causing a problem. Yeah. And the way I always kind of look at it, I go, right, so we've got two types of people when you're a learner driver. You've got type A, which will hold back or they'll give you plenty of space or they might overtake you, but they'll do it safely. Do we need to worry about those? And then they'll say, no, we don't. So Then we've got type B. The type that will beat the horn, they'll get aggressive, they'll tailgate, they'll overtake an unsafe situation, they might even give you some verbal abuse. What do you think of that person? And then the response is usually, they're an ass. I'll say, right, so why are we worrying about the opinion of someone that you think is an arsehole? And I usually find that when you frame it that way, ah, screw it, king of framing. Uh, when you frame it that way, it usually um, it helps a little bit. But... <laughs> Uh, this I'm going to take a moment now to set the table. Uh, we are going to be talking further down about standard checks, about everything that's gone on around that recently, because it feels like you've come to a bit of a, I don't know what the word is, an impasse, uh, where we, we kind of know where we are now. We know what's going on. There's still a lot to learn, but we can take a step back and look at the whole thing around the way it's been handled by the DVSA, around the way it's been handled by NASP. Is it actually a big deal? Should we be talking about it? You know, the, the whole situation, uh, including the fact that Love Day Rider, as was announced exclusively by the Instructor podcast, uh, will be at the Intelligent, uh, Intelligent Instructor Expo in October. So we'll be talking about that further down, further down the line. But you are listening to the Green Room edition of the Instructor podcast. As always, I am your excellent host, Terry Cook, and I'm joined by Chris Benster today. Um, to listen to the full version of this, you are going to have to head over to patreon.com for slash the instructor where this month you'll be treated to every full episode of the green room you'll also be getting a special edition of our standards check checklist where we are diving into every item on the standards check and you'll be getting a very very special of test talks now just a quick one on that because it's a test talk does not mean it's going to be by me it's just I don't want to get sued by labeling them TED Talks. Uh, so, yeah, head over to patreon.com forward slash the instructor. We can get all this bonus content and you get the episodes free. For example, right now, you could be listening to the Richard Borges episode or you could just continue and listen to this one. But as I mentioned, I am joined by Chris Benstead. So, Chris, take a moment to tell us about yourself and the fantastic work that you are doing at the DITC. Well, I'd firstly, I'd like to thank the DVSA for highlighting um, the importance and need for what we're doing. Um, I, I think, you know, the, the DITC was born of lockdown. Uh, lots of plans that we had before lockdown and didn't know how to, to make it happen. Uh, so, you know, I found myself supporting instructors, uh, something I've done Ever since I started, I started the first Facebook group for driving instructors and, and have grown things from there just with networks of people and knowing knowing people and knowing stuff, um, which is is brilliant, but it takes up time. And then you struggle to do other things. And we all have that same problem. So we formed uh, the Driving Instructor and Trainers Collective, the DITC.co.uk, and it is recognising that the DVSA is responsible for minimum standards, but that as an industry, we haven't got a platform that we can grow maximum standards on. So we want we want to create that. We want to make life easier for driving instructors, give them somewhere to go to find out stuff, the minutiae of, of information through to the real big questions, we want to create a platform where you know where to start and not just for ADIs, but for PDIs 
and possibly most importantly for all of us, pre-PDIs. So the people that are looking to come into the industry, being able to find the right information, not the biggest sales pitch. And through doing that, knowing what questions to ask and and then be able to work forwards and, and find what's going to be right for them. Because I'm fed up with speaking to driving instructors, and I mean probably all of them, that where an error or a uh, you know a, a, a mistake as a badge of honour of oh yeah I signed a contract that cost me however many thousand pounds or I couldn't get out of so I had to do this or you know I I didn't know that I needed to follow these procedures or you know that are out there teaching wrongly and I mean wrongly you know wrong information incorrect stuff um, which we don't want we we want to be thought of well and if we can you know this addresses the question you were asking about how other people think of us if we can up our standards across the board we haven't got to worry about things like them changing how the standards check works because it won't affect us um and and you know that yeah that's the ditc um that that's my ditc soapbox i will jump off of now um but yeah, what we're what we're aiming to do is to help instructors. And two of my favourite things about about what we've got at the moment: one is members who are ADIs or PDIs from their Part One pass onwards can get a student card because they're recognised as professional learners because we reflect on our lessons and we develop every day. Um, that is CPD for me. You haven't got to pay for a course; you can. Uh, and the other one is a course, uh, which is. Uh, the the course from the queer box about LGBTQ plus um, identity inside of your business uh, and something that you know I have Terry to thank for because he put me in touch with them and you can get a whole twenty quid off of their course and it is a beautifully simple, incredibly informative. Uh, course and if you want to know more check out the episode of the instructor podcast that had um had the the queer box on there talking about you know what they do yep highly recommend that uh, i would also say i love how you phrase that as um knowing where to start describing the ditc as, as being a place where you can learn how to start or where to begin i like that phrase also and chris won't like me saying this but sign up now it's too cheap it's six quid a month seriously i keep nagging at him at some point he's gonna listen to me and put that price up right but at the minute it's six quid so get him while you can and just as a little hint there will be a tier coming up on patreon at some point where you will uh dit membership will be included but that is to come speaking of patreon as I mentioned previously, to listen to the remainder of the show, you will need to head over to patreon.com forward slash the instructor. And one final thing for me before I let you disappear and enjoy the rest of your day is the Instructor Podcast Network. We have now branched out. It's not just the Instructor Podcast. It's the Instructor Podcast Network. I'm currently in talks with a couple of ADIs who are looking to produce their own podcast that can be hosted by myself. If this is something of interest to you, please feel free to get in touch. But I am going to let you enjoy the rest of your day. And remember, stay safe, drive safer. The Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook. Talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them.